The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday midweek edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you do it all right. Gear it up. We uh, have uh, some thoughts on a projected depth chart to get into. A interesting article in The Athletic. Getting over the hump. Hope for the hopeless or, or hopeful. <laughs> however you want to deem it. Some teams in college football that need a big 2022. Your favorite is on it. And uh, we'll spend time with Evan Bland next hour from the Omaha World. Harold, his thoughts on Nebraska. Joel McAvica, our uh, favorite Husker fullback from the 90s. I've, I've got to stick that in there on him a little bit because we're also big Rathman fans here. But uh, Joelster going to be with us, uh, assuming his tea time will be done by 5.05. And uh, the uh, Pride of Brainerd going to join us in hour two. We're 20 minutes away from Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity as we look towards Northwestern and Nebraska. Numbers to get in can join us today at 466-3776-466-37-76-800-825. 5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And give the show a follow if you can at HVarsity Radio. And uh, do so there. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Get your emails read and uh, obviously take your phone calls and can interact on Twitter. The show will be posted on YouTube, the Hale Varsity channel. That'll go up shortly after. Also, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can find us on your favorite uh, uh, app and app store with uh, where you listen to your podcast. Friday, Roadshow. We are up at the Hale Varsity Club. Uh, four to six, come see us uh, just in La Vista as we kick off the weekend. The last weekend of no football. You've almost made it of, of getting through, but uh, this week zero. Have you have you analyzed, have you overanalyzed this, this week zero setup, Elijah, for Nebraska? Are you looking at it as a great opportunity or are you looking at it as, oh man, maybe here we go again with all the funkiness that's been a part of the, the Scott Frost era and not just bad, but really tough starts to the season. Because that, to me, is is as much a storyline with, uh, with Nebraska. We talked transfers. We've talked new coaches. You've got position battles. On paper, uh, you can say a lot of good things. And you can even feel better about it maybe translating. But it's a tough ask because of the opponent and because of the venue 
this first week. I was just reading through a little bit of Scott's interview. Uh, did a Zoom call with a number of media members from Ireland. And Scott's saying the, the right things. Uh, excited to be over there. Good. But this is a tough ask, and it's just one more thing for for Nebraska to, to deal with uh, out of their comfort zone. But did he make an opening statement with those reporters no, in Ireland? He, dude, no. Come on now. <laughs> really? We're gonna, we're, that, that's back in July. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of back in July, uh, anyone who has started thinking about this Northwestern game uh, back starting July or earlier, uh, to get back to your original question, if you started thinking about this Northwestern matchup before, say, this week or last week, you've probably already had the chance to overanalyze it and overthink it. That's as simple as it is. And, and whenever I get down to it, my take on the game is this. This Northwestern team is dangerous and should be treated as such, mm-hmm. but talent-wise and what they're going to bring to the field is not all that much different from what Illinois put on the field against Nebraska last season. Uh, does now you're scaring people? Does well, but that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Is is that's why I think it's a great litmus test. Is you're going to a neutral field you've never been to. That's going to make things weird. But uh, I don't think that the way Northwestern goes and wins this football game is any different than how Illinois goes and wins this football goes and wins the football game like they did last season. Which is they they took advantage of short fields. Uh, they took advantage of Nebraska's mistakes and they felt like they capitalized on every single one of those. I mean, I can only think off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and and look at the game summary again, but. I can only think of one, maybe two times where Illinois really took the the ball and drove it down the field on Nebraska. How they scored their points was uh, a, a big play here or there, safety. Uh, t- taking advantage of a of a short field off of something like a safety, a miscue on a punt, scoop and score, scoop and score. This is what I'm saying. Like like Illinois needed all the help that Nebraska could give them last season because the one thing they really really struggled to do last season was take the ball from their own half of the field and march it down the field on that Nebraska defense. I, th- I can think of one time they did that last year off the top of my head, and maybe it's two, but it, it can't be more than that. And I, and I don't see this Northwestern team doing it any differently to this Nebraska team with how they're going to run the ball. I don't think Helensky is that great of a quarterback based on what I saw from him last season and what they are surrounding him with. I mean, it's going to come down to can Northwestern run the ball consistently for four or five yards a pop, run it down Nebraska's throat, and build long drives down the field. And if Illinois struggled to do it last season, I have a feeling Northwestern's going to struggle to do the same thing. The question is, does Nebraska not shoot themselves in the foot? Well, and, and it's going to be a typical, back to your litmus test statement, is Nebraska going to be different or not? Yep. Is Nebraska going to be different from handling their business? Is Nebraska going to be different when it comes to organization? Is Nebraska going to be different with play calling and personnel and game management and attention to detail and doing all the fundamental things? Is Nebraska going to be a a more grown-up program that doesn't help out the opponent? And you can hope for it, but until you see it, you just don't know. You've, You've made coaching changes. Great. You've went out and acquired more talent through the portal. Outstanding. That'll help. That'll help on third and eight with three possibilities coming off the edge and and getting after a a not great quarterback. But when it comes down to it, can Nebraska handle their business? Can Nebraska be more organized and have a plan and not second-guess and stick to it? Can Nebraska just not make stupid decisions turn into points for the other team and that's the question that's really what this this 2022 is all about it's about playing good football it's about playing clean football and 2022 is all about 
you know what, making some of your own breaks versus handing the other team uh, many in, in, in the course of four quarters. And, and while you're having to go over to Ireland and you're practicing 45 minutes away from where you're even staying, I mean, this is all a giant pain in the ass, quite frankly, if I'm a head football coach that needs to win in year five. Now, uh, your former AD set this up and you're doing a make good because it, COVID screwed it all up and it was supposed to be a year ago against uh, Illinois and the pig farmer. So now you get, you get Fitzgerald, who's a really good coach and finds a way to motivate, finds a way to get his guys to play good football. And the other part of this too is, you know, you're going to get Northwestern. That's, that's, it's game one for them too. So that could help you out. That could help you out, assuming you have your bleep together. And that's really what 2022 is all about. Is Nebraska having their stuff together and 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 looking like a, a clean football team? And I think you do it, that, you win games. An eloquent way to put that. And you can dive into the X's and the O's with this game all you want. But I think the best way to put it for this game in this season is can Nebraska make the jump from being a football team with good talent to actually being a good football team? That's the question. Last year's team had good talent. I wouldn't argue they were a good football team. They were an all right football team, and and they got let down uh, in some games where luck didn't go their way, and uh, that happens in football. But they they didn't make their own luck, and I think that's kind of the hallmark of a good football team. Can Nebraska do the things a good football team does? That's get off the field on third and eight. That's run the ball and pick up that third and one whenever you're on offense. That's making your extra points. That's just being sound in your kicking game. Do you hear what you just said? That's like, uh, it's making your extra points. I mean, it, it's, it, it sounds so simple, but is Nebraska going to be able to protect their quarterback better mm-hmm. or adapt to shaky protection? The things a good football team would do. And is Nebraska going to be able to get yards in short, short yardage situations running the football without a quarterback to go do it? I mean, it's, it's all questions we'll, we'll dive into with Mike Babcock. To this athletic article... You have it titled, Hope for College Football's Hopefully Not Hopeless. How long-suffering teams can get over the hump. Nebraska's a part of this story by Andy Staples. And I think Nebraska absolutely defines long-suffering. It's not spoiled. It's not entitled. It's not even talking national championship. It's the fact you haven't been to a bowl game in five years. Right, And the way Nebraska's lost, we've just detailed how the door's been left open for the opponent multiple times because you for, uh, you forgot to lock the door. <laughs> you forgot to shut the door. <laughs> and Nebraska is in this conversation with some teams that you're, as a Nebraska fan, you don't like hearing your name mentioned with, but you're no better than right now, quite honestly. Rutgers, Oregon State, Kansas. I mean, you, you, you stop Vanderbilt, you stop and say, well, Nebraska's, well, three and nine's three and nine, man. And you, you go down, you scroll down the list. Arizona, I mean, they're on the heels of a one and 10. I know three and nine's miserable, but one and 10's really bad. And a lot of these programs have the common denominator, uh, which is uh, popping a coach. And then going on to the next coach and it being a bad hire and a worse hire with ADs. And you repeat this vicious cycle. Nebraska's a broken home right now that can't get anyone to college is what it feels like, right? So you look at Nebraska right now, the 
the synopsis is this. You lose nine games a year. Yikes. You manage to lose those nine by an average of six points a game. And then there's the nine-point loss to Ohio State. And that's the yin and the yang where you look at some points in the ball game or the season like you're turning the corner. You keep coming back for more. And you keep having the same turnover issue. You, just, you keep having the same play calls in, in tough situations. Case in point, Smothers against Iowa inside his own three, right? And you have mental mistakes. The, the, the reason that you get over the hump this year is you have mental mistakes minimized and they're just flat out not allowed anymore, Period. And if, if, if you have one, you're pulled. We'll get to the, de- de- the depth chart here in about 30 minutes, but that's just it. You, you've allowed things to happen for too long in this program, and I think some of your new assistant coach have zero patience for that. Is this the year where that, that no fear of failure mantra shifts to a healthy fear of failure maybe? Because well, just be smart. Well, that's the thing. Are, are, are you making these boneheaded plays because you have no fear of failure because that's the mantra that's being passed down? I, I don't believe so, but like, that's just where my mind goes of, can we have a healthy fear of failure maybe? You, well, you just, just know your personnel. I mean, case in point, we're going back in history here, but don't ask Luke McCaffrey to, to, to throw the football, not to pile on Luke here, but it, it's not a good touchdown to interception ratio in the end zone <laughs> don't ask your your dual threat quarterback to, to throw out of the end zone when iowa's got a boatload of momentum after they block a punt that's part of the play calling and maybe they executed it in practice and you thought it would work in a game or you're just trying to to get a big play but with nebraska right now um as Staples touches on, there's Nebraska's paid for and then some with their bad football karma. So maybe the ball bounces their direction this year and the bad breaks go the other way. But it's it's one possession losses for Nebraska. And you may see a one possession game in Ireland. And the flip side of this is if Nebraska can go over there despite the logistics, despite the travel, despite week zero, despite new faces, despite new coaches, when it comes to all coming together and being on the same page, they can go over there and get a a hard-fought, tough victory against a a respectable team and for sure head coach and Pat Fitzgerald. Man, maybe maybe this is the opportunity you have to, to change the tide. And I'm not selling Kool-Aid, promise you. I'm just asking the question about if this year's going to be different and how it needs to be different. Who are we sneaking in here? we got Pete on the line. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for calling. How are you doing? Good. I guess I would classify it as just good fundamental football and good fundamental football coaching. If we just get back to that, we'll win a lot more games. Easy. Fair enough. Right. It's decision making. It's having guys make the right decisions and and being coached, which I believe a lot of them have been over the years, to make the right decision. It just doesn't always come together. All right. 
Pete, thanks for the phone call. Who else we got? Uh, we got Bob on the line. It looks like he may have hung up. Bob he, he said he was going to call me back during the break. Okay. Well, numbers to get in, 466-377-6800, 825-5865. Pretty good article, though, in The Athletic about teams that are trying to get over the hump. Uh, hopeful teams, not hopeless teams, but Nebraska's included on uh, quite a list there with some teams that if you're a Nebraska fan, you know it's been down, but now you're you're in the column of the unwashed when it comes to college football. But hey, three and nine doesn't lie, and maybe you switch that. We'll you take some get, more of your calls. Yeah, so you have twelve opportunities in front of you to change that narrative. We will take some more of your calls, get some more of your emails. We'll check in with Mr. Husker Football Mike Babcock. Hail Varsity on a Wednesday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, Storm Chasers fans. Your favorite baseball team is back at home August 23rd through the 28th when they take on the Rail Riders. It's a jam-packed series that includes a dollar beer night, Friday fireworks, a fun-filled Saturday with music by Lucas Minor, and craft specials on Nebraska Brewing Company. And how about Imaginary Friend Day on Sunday? Stevie, you hear that? No. Stevie, stop. This is my mic. Sorry, folks. Stevie gets excited sometimes. Hey, hold on to that excitement and channel it on August 28th at 2.05. Sound good? All right. Fans, get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Mike Babcock with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Babbers, you, you gearing up here for next Saturday? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I mean, I was ready probably a while ago let's, um, because let's... there's all the talk. You know, it's like, let's, let's play some games rather than just talk about it. No, I totally agree with you. I want to go back to uh, the situation Nebraska's in, heading over to Ireland for a, a week zero kickoff. And Nebraska found themselves at the front of college football season different times during the Osborne era. Mike, I think a lot about those kickoff classics. And while Nebraska may have some experience, it's it's a little different experience heading over to Ireland than, say, uh, those teams that, that took on a West Virginia or a Penn State or or an A and M in East Rutherford. Yeah, it's it is a different situation. And when Nebraska went to Tokyo, that was obviously the last game of the regular season. Um, so it is, but it, it's the same circumstance for Northwestern. So um, you know, it, the I don't think that that is going to give one team or the other any kind of advantage. Um, and, I, and I think that it's probably a little bit of an advantage that Nebraska's offense has been reshaped um, with a new, you know, with, with Mark Whipple um, and the uh, fun collaboration with uh, Scott Frost. You know, Scott's still involved in it. But I think that there's a little bit of an advantage there probably for Nebraska because Northwestern is not as familiar with what Nebraska might do compared to what Nebraska would be familiar with what Northwestern might do. Um, so if Nebraska, as the, as the caller pointed out, if Nebraska can be fundamentally sound, and as you guys have talked about, and not make mistakes and not self-destruct 
on a significant level, um, Nebraska probably has the advantage there because it's a it's a it's an unknown quantity. We don't even know what it's going to look like, uh, really, um, and uh, Northwestern doesn't. So fundamentally, you do things right, maybe you've got an advantage. Well, Mike, if you don't mind me jumping in here, Schmitty, for a second, do you, do you think that the fact that Scott Frost coaching for his job, do you think that's an advantage? I mean, it adds some urgency uh, to the program as a whole, but it also adds pressure not only to the coaching staff but to the team itself. So is that is that factor uh, going to – I mean, is that a part of how you're evaluating this game looking ahead to a week and a half from now? I think, uh, Elijah, I think that's a negative. I think the pressure of – this is my job, I've got to do it kind of thing. It puts a pressure on you that if you do make a mistake, I think it magnifies that mistake, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I I just, um, I don't think it's a good thing um, that they're working under that pressure because I think, you know, you have to assume that, hey, we're we're trying to be fundamentally sound and four consecutive losing seasons. I mean, they were trying to be, um, but we saw a lot of times where they had to break out of what it was they were trying to do. And uh, that's reflected in the fact that uh, Martinez ended up being the leading rusher. You know, that wasn't exactly what you wanted uh, from your offense. And, uh, and so I don't, I don't think pressure is really on Nebraska's side. That's just my opinion. Um, because I think that, you know, that, that suggests that, well, they didn't really try as hard when there wasn't that pressure. Uh, but I believe that they did. Um, so this just adds to it. Mike Babcock's with us at MD Babs on Twitter is where you find him, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Mike, where are you with this? Do you look at this as an extra challenge because of the logistics, or do you look at it as just really a sweet opportunity to that point we were talking about to start the show off where you've had all this negative uh, in the early parts of the season during the Frost era, while this seems uh, a little daunting and completely inconvenient if you're a football coach going to Chicago versus going to Dublin, you know what? You, you can kind of reverse the curse, change course, so to speak, if you get out of Dodge with a win. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I think that it's the first game is critical, I think, because of the mindset you come away from that game with a victory, um, and then you've got a couple of games that you you should win, um, and, and you build up some momentum, and you have this belief. You know, winning is partly a mindset. you got to believe that you're going to win, and it's easy to say, I believe we're going to win, but it's a fine line. Um, I think the Northwestern game is critical to that. Um, you build that mindset. You build some momentum. You got Oklahoma coming into Lincoln, um, as I wrote in, in the magazine. Uh, if you're three and zero, and you've got that mindset, at least, at least, it's going to be uncomfortable for the Sooners. At least, because I think that you you have developed something, and you've dealt with all the things that go into having to travel to Dublin. And both teams are dealing with it. But I remember a lot of the players coming back from Tokyo and saying they just assumed that they didn't do it that way. Um, because sure. it's not a not a vacation, you know. It's not a tourist trip. Uh, it's it's business. Mike, just one little thought here, and this is just a, a bit of an aside from the conversation, I guess. Over the past week or so, it's just I, I've been thinking, like, 
isn't it not a little bit ridiculous that this game is being called Week Zero? Despite the fact that, I mean, if you're going to do a, a Week Zero game every single year, isn't that technically just your, your Week 1? And with this conversation, we've been saying Week Zero a lot, and I go, I think it'd be more simple if this game is Week 1 and then everyone else just starts Week 2. Yeah, I don't know I don't know where that Week Zero came from. I've used it too, but, I mean, there are a couple, of, at least a couple other games. I know Illinois and Wyoming play. Um, so I, I don't know. I it's almost like it's week zero. It doesn't, it's, it's a zero. It doesn't count for anything. You know, let's wait till we get to the real season, which begins with week one. I, I don't know where that mindset comes from. Uh, and, you know, Illinois, Wyoming, that's not being played somewhere out, outside the, the United States. So I, yeah, I it's not like it's a special game. It's just, coming down a week before most of the other games start, which I mean, like, right. you're not calling week 18 of the NFL pre-playoffs or week, yeah. it's week 18. Like. We're, we're, if you could stick Illinois and in Wyoming, the fighting Craig Bowles and the fighting pig farmers, where would you stick them in the U.S. if you could pick the venue batters? <laughs> For them, where they would play? Yeah. Um, well, probably somewhere in western Kansas. Okay. I love to play out there. Just, just, just for for uh, for fun. Do we do we just uh, a, a field of dreams, but for college football? Yeah, it's where in a cornfield, yeah. something like there you that. Go. Yeah, out in a cornfield somewhere. And uh, yeah, that, that that's good. Halftime shows dreams. a rodeo. Week zero. I don't. You can't be week zero unless you play somewhere a neutral field somewhere. It can be in the United States. It can be the Field of Dreams, or it can be in Ireland, or it can be wherever. I don't know. And, I, you know, I don't know. I can see the NFL doing kind of things like that, but college football, I'm, I'm not exactly sure it's, how that works. Yeah, it was Navy, Notre Dame. Did they play each other over in Ireland to start this whole thing? Um, I think that's right. Yeah, back in six, right. 16. Mm-hmm. Mike, uh, yeah. if we look at a specific side or position group for for next Saturday who are you kind of keying in on is it is a quarterback I know O-line's there but is is there is there a position group that could help out <laughs> help out the, the big question mark which is the offensive line for me well the offensive line you know that's my answer for the is there one position group but um you know and we're we're Taken away, when I say that, I'm, I, I'm not ignoring the defense mm-hmm. because the defense, what they do up front is going to be important defensively as well, um, whether they get the job done with a lot of new guys there. Uh, but, uh, you know, okay, so on offense, then uh, the next thing I'm going to look at is is receivers. You know, if this is going to be kind of a pass-oriented uh, type offense with Casey Thompson, um you know, how are the receivers going to shake out? They've got a lot of guys that people have talked about. There's a lot of receivers in the mix there. Um, but who's going to step up and who, who are we going to see um, when, when, when they go out there? Um, and, you know, of course, obviously the running back thing is a big topic because Nebraska at one time was just a definitive school for, for running backs with the uh, Mike Rozier, Calvin Jones, and Derek Brown, and mm-hmm. Doug DeBose, and whatever. But, uh, you know, any of those areas could be interesting to me, but it begins with the offensive line. You, you just hit on Rozier, Michael Heisman, uh, with the throwbacks 
Do you like the uh, tribute to 83? Yeah, I like that. And, it, you know, it's more subtle than some of these other kind of throwbacks that they've had. You know, uh, I'm I'm big on Scarlet and Cream, and uh, I'm big on that, uh, obviously, on that 83 team. That was a pretty exciting thing. And, you know, wasn't a national champion, but uh, I think Tom Osborne earned as much respect for that going for two that year as he did for anything else that he accomplished as a coach in national uh, writers were all over Tom for uh, in a positive way, saying you know he cared enough to go for the to go for the win rather than settle for the tie. Mike, we've had the the nineteen ninety seven team honored with a throwback jersey back in twenty seventeen. Now we're getting eighty three honored. Well, what's the next team you'd like to see get honored with a throwback jersey? Um, what's the next team? Well, have they had the seventy one team? They have not. No, that'd be good. I think that would be good um, because that really, you know, that's one of the best teams all all, all time. I think um, uh, you look at that. Even in the Big Eight, the top three teams in the in the final poll were Nebraska number one, Oklahoma number two, Colorado number three. I mean, that was a unique season, and uh, I think that would be I think that would be cool. Otherwise, go back to you know nineteen twelve and have those flap helmets and all that stuff. <laughs> no face mask, just give me leather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had uh, kind of uh, one season, they had uh, kind of handles on the side of their jerseys, and they could, like, lift a guy up and throw him in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem safe or legal. Mike Babcock with uh, us. does not seem safe or legal, right. You, you got it in the right order also. Babbers will uh, get caught up uh, next week, my friend. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. There he is. Mike Babcock with us from his football office. Hail Varsity Radio on a Wednesday. We'll dive in, take a peek at that projected depth chart. You can give us a shot at 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. We'll get some of your emails. Is uh, Coming up, Joel Makovica, 20 minutes away. Evan Bland in Hour 2 with Hail Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back to you, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pete Thamel is uh, all over things on the college football world. And uh, his sources say the presidents and chancellors who make up the college football playoffs board of managers held a brief discussion Monday about major college football operating under a governance structure outside the NCAA. So kind of like smart people like Coach Barnett and, and others we have on the show have said, yep, 
the those halves are going to break away from the NCAA and do their own thing. What needs to happen is some sort of football czar and governing body that's way better than the NCAA. And you have Tommy Tuberville and Joe Manchin working on things on Capitol Hill, which can be kind of scary, frankly. But that's that's this next step. More from 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 Pete. Uh, also, in his story, the College Football Playoff Board of Managers, they have not shut the door on expanding the College Football Playoff before 2026. The presidents discussed how much money was left on the table by playing out the final four seasons of the deal as currently constructed. So does ESPN just pony up and extend what they've got? Or is there an open bid for Fox to get in? I know Notre Dame and NBC kissed again today. So that's, to me, who's who's running the show? Who's got the rights with the college football playoff? And I ask that because... You can play favorites. You'd hope that's not the case, but if it's ESPN, they're going to try and push their product, which is the SEC and, as it stands right now, the ACC. If you're Fox, you're going to do everything in your power to get more Big Ten looks on top of your two new acquisitions with uh, USC and UCLA. So whoever's going to foot the bill for the college football playoff, uh, you're going to be making the call theoretically, with uh, your, your your board who's going to say, yep, you're into the playoff, yep, you're into the playoff. You're going to have some sort of input slash committee, I would think, to, to expand this playoff. Everyone's going to get paid when you expand these playoffs, and you're going to sell it for a, a monster number to either Fox or – or or ESPN, maybe NBC ponies up. I don't I don't know. Well, I mean, there's we, there's bids that need to happen. As we move closer and closer to college football being like the NFL, why not do it like the Super Bowl, where you rotate it around? One year Fox gets it, next year ESPN gets it. And then if you have the college football playoff championship game, the other two networks get the semifinals and whatnot. That that's the system the NFL has been running for what 20, 25 years now. It's worked. And it's worked well. The money has been there, and none of the TV partners are unhappy, and it works out well. So I wonder if that's going to be something that's on the table moving forward here for college football as opposed to, man, ESPN has the rights to haul the college football playoff. Let's let's move it around a little bit. So it's you don't get that that ESPN bias in that, well, let's push our product. So <laughs> Let's push the teams we throw on the TV. Yeah. Right? So let's dive into the depth chart, Elijah. And you have good work by uh, friend uh, Brian Christofferson with uh, 24-7. And, and his projected look on offense goes like this. You're too deep, and this isn't official, but Brian's been covering the team for a while. And, and I guess I didn't have Kevin Williams as, as a tackle. You've got Kevin Williams as a guard, but Kevin Williams has played some football in no- Omaha North kid. He's mature. Uh, has really busted it to get into shape, and, and I think he can be a really good lineman for Nebraska. They have him backing up Big Teddy at left tackle. Corcoran and Banks are your one-two at left guard. Hickson and Piper, your options at center. Both guys have started at least one season. Your your dear friend and teammate Brock Bando uh, at right guard. Lutowski, really young but super talented. And then uh, Ben Hart and Hunter Anthony, your right side. There, there, there's a 
there's a too deep of guys who have started or played a lot of college football. I like that. Are you limited with some of your options? Do we know what Turner is going to be able to do at guard? You think, you hope, if you're a Nebraska fan, that he'll find a home there and, and be pretty salty. Uh, you hope Teddy can, can play pretty free and confidently on that edge. Uh, Hickson at center, he's been a guard before. Piper uh, has been a guard, but he's backing up at center. And then there's Bando and, and, and Ben Hart, and it sounds like Ben Hart's had a, had a good camp. He's made a jump, and he's played three years, okay? So these guys need to, to, to play at a high level, be competent, not jump off sides, not hold, not cave uh, when it comes to those uh, edge rushers that feasted a year ago. You're an O-lineman. You played it at Southeast. What, what's your take on this? As expected. That, that, that's my take for what you got here for the starting, the starting five. Prohoshka at left tackle, expected. Corcoran, I think the only surprise is that he's at left instead of right, but that seems to have come whenever uh, Newelli uh, got suspended for the year, so mm-hmm. moved him over to left guard, and I guess that makes sense. Uh, Hickson's the name we've been hearing all summer long at center as being a guy who really solidified himself in the spot through the, through the spring. Uh, Bando at right guard's a guy who's played a lot of football. Uh, that's been waiting his turn. Been waiting his turn. Played a lot of football, and every single time he's come in, he's he's been that glue guy among the offensive line. You know what to expect from him. Uh, he's going to come in. He's going to do fine at his job, and you can put him in at multiple positions. I like to see what he's going to look like, knowing he's going to be the starter any given week. What kind of preparation he can get in for the week? That's interesting. That's maybe the one wild card on the offensive line I wasn't necessarily expecting three months ago, but that comes from uh, the Newelli suspension as mm-hmm. well. That he's going to be starting at right guard most likely, and then Ben Hart at right tackle I believe is also pretty expected. Same reason he's played a lot of football and he's got the most big tank experience of really any guy in that offensive line. These guys just got to get better. They got to get coached up to get better and. You, you pray they're they're a ways from their ceiling yet. It, when in doubt, you go with the guy that's got that that potential to be a great offense lineman based on frame and based on how much Big Ten football they've already played. Those are the guys that have the the best potential to to pick up this this style of coaching from Donovan Royal the fastest, and the guys that are going to be able to to take that and implement it into Big Ten play because they've been there and done that. A guy I think is is uber tough, tough minded, has rolled with the punches has kept on swinging is, is Hickson. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a good starting point for you at center. And he can be the, the ringleader of that offensive line. I know Corcoran's been more vocal, but, but Turner's been dinged. And, and Turner's a guy that has had to switch from, from playing the outside left to right tackle to now on the inside. But I think that one-two punch or combo voice-wise of, of Hickson and Corcoran can be really nice and i you know what nebraska needs a yard on third down against northwestern a week from saturday i'm quite fine running it behind corcoran and, and teddy or running it behind bando and ben hart in your in your opinion what what's just knowing brock like you do what's his best asset what's he do really really well on the football field i know he's a lineman so block but what 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 can you count on him to do do you think? I mean, he's been a guy who's played a ton of football. I don't think he, he's a guy that you're going to expect to make the mental errors. Is he as athletically gifted as some other guys out there? Uh, sorry, Brock, but no. Uh, he, he's not one of those guys that's an athletic freak out there, but 
played high level high school football at IMG and has been around Nebraska it feels like seven or eight years now even though I know this is his sixth season and he's just a guy who I don't think he's going to make those mental mistakes he's a 24 year old out there playing college football he's dependable mm-hmm. very dependable we'll wind down hour one Joel McAvick coming up at Tail Varsity we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio this hour. Joel McAvicka on the way in hour two. Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Get to some of your emails coming up and uh, can dial up at 466 3776. Do you, de- do you determine Nebraska? as long-suffering. I ask that because of the athletic article. They listed a bunch of teams that <laughs> qualify. Yeah, I think qualify. Nebraska, five years is, is a long enough timeline when the world gets to go to a bowl game and uh, Nebraska hasn't. Elijah, maybe you have. Maybe you're thinking about it. Are you going to dive into the Manti Teo doc on Netflix. That's on my docket of things to watch tonight. Okay. So we'll see if I get around to it or not. Last night was a hard knocks night for me. The new episode dropped with Detroit, the, right? the Detroit Lions. So How is that? It's good. Is it really It's good. good. Dan Campbell's awesome. And whether or not he finds success in Detroit, this I, I'm leaning towards he finds you love the personality. some semblance. But you love the personality. The coaching staff he's put together with the Lions is awesome. And uh, some of the stories with some of those guys in the Lions are, are pretty fun, too. And Aiden Hutchinson, it's it's fun to get that peek behind the curtain from being a guy that you were like, oh man, I hope this guy doesn't absolutely wreck Nebraska in this game this weekend, to, to being like a, a guy I can root for uh, makes things pretty fun. So the, the hard knocks to the Detroit Lions has been fun. I kind of wish that they were sticking with him for the season, but they're going to be down with the Cardinals this year in season, which should be fun. And uh, I've been enjoying the hard knocks so far. I believe we're going to get the first round of cuts next week. They got to the first preseason game to, uh, in the episode last night. Are they going to do the study hall scene with uh, Kyler? <laughs> let's, uh, let's look live at Kyler Murray living up to his, his contract addendum. It's required study time. He's, uh, he's clearly asleep in What's there. What's your read here, Kyler? <laughs> Shut up. Pay me. Go wash my truck. He's wearing the glasses that look like he's uh, he's got his eyes open, but he's clearly very asleep behind <laughs> <Yes>. the glasses. <laughs> I, I could care less. Like the whole catfish, Mante Teo thing, didn't get into it in 2012, 2013. Then maybe I'm it, but I, I don't care now. It's he's either a freaking idiot still or he's looking for attention. Mm. That's my take. Not, and maybe he was suckered, right? Hey. That's that's the point of it. But I, I, I am not fascinated by this at all. I was annoyed by the story then. I don't get it. I don't get how you can have a girlfriend and not meet her. It's the point. Well, that's, that's why you got to watch the documentary. So I, I don't think this documentary, from what I've heard, absolves Manti Teo at all. I mean, it sounds like, I haven't watched it, but from what I was reading on Twitter, it sounds like he may have known or had his suspicions that he was being catfished after she quote-unquote passed away and he still went on with that narrative. Uh, so that's a little bit suspicious, but... Yeah. Um, but you're, you're a starting linebacker that's up for the Heisman at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to find company? But, I mean, they, they interview not only him, they interview her as well uh, and get her side of the story on catfishing him. And I'll watch it and I'll report back to you, but I've heard it's very much worth the watch. And I, I've heard so you'll, 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 you'll flip me into... 
tuning in. To it, it. It, people say that there's more to the story than you would expect. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll uh, hear from Joel Makovica, get his take on Nebraska 2022. If there's a fullback traveling to Ireland and uh, his outlook, Evan Bland chimes in also at 525. We continue on our two. It's Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Husker Hall of Famer. He knew how to find his way into the end zone and then pave the way. Joel McAvicka, pride of Brainerd. Mr. Joel, what'd you shoot today? <laughs> I wish I could get on the golf course. I tell you what, I, I haven't played much, but... It seems like when I play, I can't get any better, Schmitty. So how, how does that work? Is I play more and I get worse. Figure that one out. I think you just need to um, you just need to dial in and, and play more. Yeah, I tell you, it's usually if you practice at something, you can get better. But golf doesn't seem that way for me. I just I get to, I, I can't seem to get any better. So it might be time for me to give it up. How about that? I hear pickleball is really gaining in popularity. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know what? And and pickleball keeps us in business. There's a lot of a lot of older athletes getting uh, getting hurt in pickleball. So so keep playing that. You're not <laughs> you're not you're not running on the pickleball court and blindsiding anybody, are you? <laughs> That's what I do. I, I I frequent the local pickleball courts and and see see who I can blindside block a little bit to, to keep us busy. 
<laughs> Mac and Mick and physical therapy, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> who's that guy? Uh, he had a jersey on. I don't know. He's he's looking for patience. Yeah. He's looking for patience and just exactly. drilling people, exactly. breaking hips. I love it. Joel, let's dive in, man. Is is Nebraska going to take a fullback with him? Does Nebraska have a fullback to take we with him to Ireland? You guys know this, and I must confess, I haven't been able to get to practice this year to see him in person, so so you can take that with a grain of salt. But Nebraska doesn't even have a fullback on the roster, guys, and you know that, and they're not going to run a fullback. And if they do, if they do some two-back things, you know, you might see a, a, a Yant in there who's, who's the biggest back we have, or, or most likely what they're doing now, what everybody mostly does, is, is send a uh, – uh, a tight end into that position more as an H back, and and that's what Nebraska will do. But now we don't we don't carry a true fullback on the roster anymore. Man, well, do you got no? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have a series in you? You know what I? You know I would love to say I do, but we'll see. We I think I could give them four or five good plays. I'll tell you what I'll do is at the games I'll wear my shirt that says. Uh, uh, corn cows and fullbacks that that all the Nebraska <laughs> fans love, and so I'll I'll rep that shirt at games, and and hopefully maybe they can they can get me in for a player too. Are you uh, are you heading over? You know what? I'm not. I thought about it and w- was thinking about it, but then you know if I it's kind of like that if you go and you don't really get on it very early. I imagine the golf courses will be full, and, and there will be so many Nebraskans out there that they'll be wanting to do that. I figured um, that you wouldn't be able to do some of the things you want to do, but I, I know some people that are going, and they're going to have a blast. And and the best thing about it is I think Nebraska is going to come away with a win, which we should, and, and it'll be a great experience for the kids, for the coaches, hopefully a precursor to maybe a bowl trip. But uh, I think the Nebraska fans will have a blast. But, no, I'm not getting a chance to go over. Joel McAviga with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Joel, what, uh, what are you expecting? You just said that you think Nebraska can go get a win. What, what makes you feel good about next Saturday? What makes you feel good about a flip this season? You know, great question, Schmitty. Um, you know, obviously, uh, um, a Nebraska fan through and through. So I, you know, drink the Kool-Aid every year. And I, and I look at, you know, where Nebraska needs to be, what Nebraska's ceiling always is and, and, and what we could be. Um, uh, you look at some of the, the changes he did with his staff. And I think he brought in some great coaches that uh, have brought in some great energy, some great discipline to the staff and, and, and some transfers that I think are buying in and, and, um, you have some guys that have been there for, for quite a few years that, that have become good players. I know you, you, you've lost a lot. you lost a lot of experience, especially on defense with, with some guys that have played a lot of football, been there you know, five or six years. But I'll tell you what, what, what really makes me optimistic about you know, things that I think you're going to see a huge change in this year is I think special teams is going to be a huge change for Nebraska. And they lost some games on special teams last year. And I think – I think Coach Bush is an unbelievable special teams coach, and and they're they're getting starters on these teams and have and starters buy into to being on special teams, and and it's the third part of a of a football game, offense, defense, special teams, and I think you're going to see an unbelievable jump in special teams this year that can help us win games. But you know, if you're just talking about this game in Dublin, uh, I know Fitzgerald will have have Northwestern ready to play. 
it seems like he cycles when he has a bad year, he has a good year. But mm-hmm. listen, Nebraska's got way too much talent to be messing around with, with Northwestern, and, and I think you're going to see that on Saturday. Um, I think they have a lot of confidence from what you know they did to Northwestern last year and beating them so bad and, and running out of Memorial Stadium on them. So I think you're going to see a, a Nebraska team that is – Early going to be finding, you know, what they're doing on offense, you know, with the transfers, those types of things. But if they don't turn the ball over, they're going to play better special teams. And I think our defense is is a solid group from front to back, and I, I think you're going to see that on Saturday. Joel, uh, let's talk special teams for a moment. And your time in, in Lincoln, is that how you, you initially got on the field? Is that how you broke through? Correct. You know, and that's what, you know, my older brother with Jeff was at Nebraska, and, and – and right when I got there, he was telling me, you know, get by Dan Young and, and our special teams coach and, and get on the field any way you can. And, and, and that's how, you know, I got on the field early is, is playing all the special teams and, and continue to play those. Even when I was starting, even when I was older, even playing a lot, I was still on kickoff return and, and punt. I wasn't on punt return or I was still on kickoff coverage, but it, it's – difficult for offensive players that play a lot to be on kickoff coverage because usually um, if you play quite a bit you're you're tired and they want fresh bodies on that to turn around and kick the ball off but we had a lot of older guys and a lot of starters that took pride in, in playing in special teams and and I think that's what they're getting now and I think they're getting this buy-in and there, there was there's a lot of teams out there that it, there was this this turn away from starters being on special teams because of injuries and and playing uh, so many plays, and, and a lot of starters aren't playing. But I think the buy-in now is is starters are playing on special teams, and that's what we need. You saw that. You saw that even on the good team. Alabama's playing mm-hmm. starters on, on special teams. Jamison Williams, I saw, you know, last year was was in punt coverage and and things like that. So that's what we did. That's how I got on the field early. That's that's how a, a lot of the starters played when 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 we were playing. And I think you're going to see that. I think Coach Bush, and I think now. Coach Frost understands that, and he's, he's a lot like Coach Osborne in understanding, like, hey, let's get all of our, our assistant coaches to buy into special teams, and I think they have, and, and getting the starters. And, and once those starters buy in or an All-American or somebody that plays a lot buys into special teams, it brings those younger guys in to say, hey, this is, a, this is an actual team that I can play on, that I can get on the field early and make some noise, and, and, and hopefully we got that buy-in. Joel McAvick is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Joel, we had Coach Bill Bush meet with the media a little earlier this week, and he said the, the key to special teams is, is doing those things on special teams and, and taking that ordinary and doing it extraordinary. That was how he said it. And I really liked hearing that. What is your reaction to hearing that quote? Is that accurate? I think very accurate. And, and that can be anything from, you know, ordinary to extraordinary. It can be anything from, you know, making them fair catch every punt on punk coverage. You know, not having to make the, the big hit and, and the, the uh, uh, turnover on one of those special teams. Now, that's way beyond extraordinary if you can get that and change the field. But even just the ordinary becomes an extraordinary win. When you are, you are going 110% on, you know, punt coverage and you make them fair catch every punt or not catch a punt and it, and it, and it rolls another 10, 15 yards. And, and understanding that this is a part of the game that that changes field position and you win football games with and, and and that's what we did and that's what coach osborne was great at is 
Coach Osborne didn't talk before games, did not talk offensive and defensive football. Coach Osborne, before the game, he read all of our special teams' depth charts, ones and twos, so there wouldn't be a mistake. He knew everybody that was playing. Everybody was geared in to special teams before the game and knowing their role. And, and I think great special teams coaches, and I, I think Bill Bush is one of those, and, and the ones I had, you know, Dan Young wasn't a rah-rah guy, but he was, he was a guy that was very disciplined and got the assistant coaches to buy in. And then the, the special teams coach I had in the NFL was a very rah-rah guy, high-energy guy. They're very high-energy and very disciplined and great teachers. And, and I think that's what, what Coach Bush has um, that ability to do. And, and, and when guys buy into that, you get offensive guys that, that learn how to tackle and can be – you know, make it make ordinary into extraordinary. I like that saying because that's what a lot of people think special teams are are an ordinary part of the football game, but they can they can lead to huge changes of field and momentum and, and big plays. Joel, are you worried about the setup in Dublin from a momentum standpoint? We were talking about this earlier. Joel Nakavica with us, and you look at at Scott's tenure here, and it's always been some sort of misstep right early in the year i mean it, there's been no yeah. mo- there's been no momentum and, and this isn't an, an easy ask or task to go over there against fits now i think you're right on from a talent standpoint nebraska's got a lot of talent northwestern's got a couple dudes uh-huh. too on the edge defense and offensive yeah. side but overall nebraska should should do their thing but it, it's not been the case and it's not been the case early in the year no and it hasn't and and Nebraska needs to come out of the great gate strong. And, and to your point, this is, this is a trip that Nebraska, this coaching staff, and these players do not have a lot of experience on because this is kind of like a bowl trip. They'll be there for a whole week. Uh, they, they, it's, it's an experience they haven't had. Now, if we've, we've been to bowl games and that, it would be a little bit easier experience and they would know what to expect. But but this staff has not, not coached at Nebraska on a bowl trip. These players have not played on a bowl trip. So they have to be locked in when they get there. And it's not, it's not a trip to go have fun and have party. Now, they can, they can be relaxed, but they need to be locked in. And, that, and that's what I would preach is, is be relaxed, but be locked in, especially you know, a day or two before the game. And, and, and I think if, if things go well early, this team will just build a lot of confidence. And then if they can get this one, their schedule sets up. And, and what I would tell this team is, is we have to start winning in Memorial Stadium. And, and we have to, starting this year, we need to go a 7-1 and one or 6-1 and one at Memorial Stadium or undefeated at Memorial Stadium. And if you, if you can do that, Everything else falls in place because you're going to have a winning football program if if it becomes a tough place to play on in in your home stadium and going to every year and winning your home games or you know with a younger team or a team starting to build momentum going a six and one and, and building off of that. But this 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 trip I think might be good for them actually to kind of get away from that and not open up a Memorial Stadium and have a week to be in Dublin or have five days to be in Dublin where they can relax a little bit for the first couple of days but then get locked in for, 
for two or three days before the game and play well. Joel, real quick before we got to say goodbye, and always love catching up and getting your thoughts uh, before the season starts. And I will harass you to get thoughts at some point again during the season. But absolutely, how how many uh, how many casks of Guinness am I bringing back over to you? Oh, if you how many do you think you can fit in your in my <laughs> carry on <laughs> in your carry on? Uh, I'll tell you what. I when are you leaving? I leave Wednesday. Are you getting any golf in? No, man. I'm I'm flying uh, there, and uh, I'm doing shows Friday, Saturday, Monday, and then back Tuesday. So I, I'm not bringing my clubs, but I am going to find you know, a, a, a lot of uh, taverns. He has to say that. The bosses are listening. I said he has to say that. The bosses are listening. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You're going to have a great time. Drink one for me. You don't have to bring any any Guinness back for me. I'm not a huge beer drinker. Jameson. If I was there with you, I'd have one, but you're going to have a lot of fun, and, and I think this will be a great trip for the fans and for you guys, for the team, and, and in, uh, this is what I'd to enjoy it. When, are you going to get to Dublin ever again in your life? Probably not, so go out and enjoy <laughs> it, and you won't have to bring anything back for me, but have a couple for me. Okay, I, I will do that. That's that's the, uh, the directive. Have a couple for Jolster. Uh, and, you betcha. And do it. Joel cheer, Knight. For, cheer, cheer a couple of Guinnesses for 40, Mac 45. There okay, Mac Mac 45. There we have it. Joel Magavica. We're going to take a picture. Joel, can I get one last thought before we get out here? About 30 seconds. Yeah. We yeah. saw we saw the DeColdis Crawford's NIL deal earlier this week, and it made millions and millions of impressions. You got any NIL deals uh, in the works yourself to get your business promoted? I. You know what? I do not. We haven't. We haven't looked a lot into that. Maybe that's something in the future. It was kind of like, you know, we wanted to see things, how they developed in the NIL. And it, listen, I'll tell you guys, it's the wild, wild west. And, <laughs> and that's what the NIDL deals are now. And, and it's hard to manage college football teams now with NIL deals. And now they're talking about unlimited transfers. So you're talking about if that was professional football, it would be unlimited free agency and unlimited salary cap. So this is the wild, wild west right now. And it's it's hard to even as a fan keep up with rosters because rosters change so much. You know, when when I was growing up, I knew who was playing at Nebraska. Let's take, take for instance, running backs. I knew who was at Nebraska running backs on the roster since they were signed as freshmen until they left as seniors. And you could follow them their whole career. Now it's, it's the roster changes every single year, and, and it's going to be tough for these coaches to manage this if, if we don't get this all figured out and regulated a little bit. I don't know how they can, but, but it's the wild, wild west in college football now. Joel Nakavica. Joel, be good, brother. Thanks for the time. All right, guys. You guys have a good one. You guys are unbelievable sportscasters of the year. Shameless <laughs> plug for you guys. You're great. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. Find him on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H. So you don't get to, to make the trip across the pond. Are you uh, good with that? Or, you know what, give you a shout in, in uh, times of pinch hit opportunity? <laughs> well, to be honest, I wasn't sure if I was going for sure until uh, like two weeks ago. So I'm honestly just happy to have some resolution to the situation. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that like the trip, as fun as it would be, it's even cooler to say that you went than to actually go when you factor in time change and travel and all this different stuff. So maybe that's just a defense mechanism for me to, to you know, uh, try to avoid some of that hurt of not getting out there. But, no, I, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun for everyone who's out there. I'll be watching the game on TV and, in you know, good old-fashioned central time out here. Um, but, man, if you're going to go, it's going to be a blast. Hope people get a chance to golf and try some local Guinness and, and just kind of check out the, the area in a new country. So um, I'm, I'm sure they're all going to have a great time. I'll be here uh, you know, domestically um, providing some coverage, too. Well, you'll do a great job. And I – you know, you have your your domestic Guinness, and I'll have my uh, <laughs> my my Dublin Guinness over there. But on a serious note, you know, Evan, is is this the year for for Coach Frost that the start of the season's actually normal for him as head coach? Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to call this normal, going over to Ireland in Week Zero, I still don't think, to be honest, that they've had what they would hope to be a normal off season, right? Like you think back with the, the Akron, uh, you know, rain out, I guess you want to call it back in 2018 and uh, 2020 with the COVID uh, the year and, and starting at Ohio state and uh, last year, week zero at Illinois. Like it's just been something it seems like every year. And, and again, this year, right? Like it's, it's week zero, you're having to worry about the logistics of going to a new country and figuring that out. You can't just, drive to Chicago and assume that your fan base is going to fill up half the stadium the way that they would if that was a Northwestern game. So it's it's an interesting dynamic because when they announced this game, what, three years ago, I mean, initially it was supposed to be take place last year against Illinois, but it felt like a fun kind of fresh idea. And I think as it's gotten closer and, and the stakes have sort of crystallized in terms of what this season can be it's just sort of become uh, a hassle in a lot of ways and again not to say that they won't have a great time and it won't be a really neat experience for people but given the importance of this game it's not a situation like a bowl game you can't treat it uh, like an exhibition or something where you go over there and you have fun for a few days and then you settle in like there's a lot on the line with this particular game and I think all things being equal they would rather that have taken place in the United States, maybe a, a short drive away instead of a long uh, plane ride away. But, um, you know, it, it's just kind of the way it's gone. College football, college athletics has changed a lot in four years, too. So everybody's kind of adjusting. And um, I just think it's, it's another little uh, footnote that adds intrigue to how this season will get going. Evan, what do you make of comments this week? I mean, we both had Coach uh, Frost and Brian Buscini both say uh, they're excited to see how this goes in a soccer stadium, but it's not a soccer stadium they're playing in. It's, it's a rugby stadium they're playing in. Does that worry you that the, the team doesn't even know what kind of stadium they're playing in? <laughs> 
I don't think so. I mean, I, I know that they know that it's natural grass. Uh, they, I, I guess, have gotten some early forecasts that uh, indicate that there might be some moisture, some some rain potentially. I know they were excited about earlier this week being able to go outside and practice in the elements, um, have a little bit of moisture on the ball, and, and see how they can handle it that way. But, you know, again, it, it's hard to say because, sure, Nebraska's sent some advanced people to scout out the area and make sure things are fine, but you don't have a lot of experience to draw from if you're, uh, you know, a member of the football team, right? Like, you don't you don't know where to go in. You don't know what kind of food's going to be available. My understanding is that where they're practicing is like a 45-minute drive from their hotel in Dublin. So that's not you know, exactly ideal either. And it's just a bunch of extra logistical stuff that they have to figure out. But you know, again, that's what the the support folks are for. And I think you know, if you're if you're a Nebraska football player or a coach, and you're worried about the distinction between soccer and rugby, as opposed to you know what you're going to do when you get on that surface, whatever it is, um, you know, I, I think their focus probably is in the right place there. Evan Bland with us, few minutes Hale Varsity Radio, talking Nebraska Northwestern over in Ireland. You know, Evan, uh, I thought with some guys on the Nebraska team. And specifically, you know, who who are you going to lean on if you're Coach Frost with a bunch of new faces? I mean, this first game, this key game, this across the Atlantic game, who uh, who are you going to lean on? Who are you going to trust in when it when it gets down to it? When it comes to playmaking and uh, and and finding a way to get out and get out of Dublin with a win and start one and zero for the first time in a while. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, 16 transfers, you've got five new assistant coaches. Typically, uh, you know, you start an opener and you're going to want to rely on guys who've been through the fires for you before, right? Like that's how it's always been. And now a lot of the the guys who are projected to be starters and, and, you know, big parts of this team are coming in from other programs. So to me, it's sort of an interesting dichotomy where on the one hand yeah you're bringing in this group of transfers that you're that you're going to rely on i mean there's a reason that you brought them in um but on the other hand you know if it's me i'm probably putting most of my faith in the defense because there's sort of that uh that continuity on that side of the ball there's some some institutional knowledge built up and even though the secondary is going to be replacing three starters like i feel good about that group because many of those guys have been around and they know what to expect. I feel good about uh, that that linebacking group in in Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich and the edge rushers Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, because they've been through it before. They they are deeply um, ingrained in what is being asked of them. And so, you know, I, I think back to what Mark Whipple said earlier in camp, which was when you get into these openers, more often than not, you you, you lose those games. You you don't win them. You're not at your best yet, right? And so. I think that's where if you're Nebraska and you're breaking in so many new pieces, especially on the offensive side, you give them a little bit of leeway by leaning on the guys, again, who have that experience, who've been there, not all necessarily at Nebraska, because I think guys like Mathis and and Tommy Hill at corner are going to be two guys you're going to uh, lean on too. probably Stefan Wynn and and maybe even Devin drew on the line too. Um, But you know, that's, that's me. Like if, if, if I understand the stakes of this game, I want to put the emphasis of that on on the guys who who know what to expect, who know um, who've been through those fires before. And then again, you let that offense sort of figure itself out. Like if you can start 
3-0 and going into that Oklahoma game and your offense has been able to go through some growing pains and, and you get on the same page with things, then I think you're in great shape. And so, uh, again, to me, it feels like it's going to be uh, maybe a lower scoring game. Northwestern doesn't have a ton of offensive firepower on its side of the ball. So I'm leaning on that defense, hoping the offense does enough to figure some things out with the expectation that that side of the ball gets better as week two and three come in after that. Evan, I want you to to put on your fortune-telling hat for me for just a second. Are are there any guys that are on the roster right now, transfers coming in, that you think we aren't talking about enough right now that could have a coming-out party against Northwestern? Against Northwestern? Well... You know, again, everybody knows about Casey Thomas and, and O'Shawn Math or Casey Thompson and, and O'Shawn Mathis. Uh, to me, the guy that I keep thinking about is Tommy Hill. Like, and, and he's been talked about some, but he's he's gotten a lot of praise this week from his position coach, from his defensive coordinator. I expect that he'll be that starting corner opposite Quentin Newsom when things get going. Um, you know, he, he's just he's a dynamic. He's just a dynamic talent. He's got the recruiting pedigree coming out of high school. Um, he's got four years to go, so there's really not a lot of uh, college tape on him to this point. And, you know, just the way that people talk about him, the way that he carries himself reminds me a lot of the way that people talked about Cam Taylor Britt, his teammates and coaches before that. So, you know, again, Mathis was, was a major headliner. Thompson is going to have a, a huge say in how this season goes. Um, but again, that back end of the, the secondary, if you can have another lockdown corner step in and, fill, and, and bridge that gap from what Cam Taylor Britt left, I think you're in great shape. And then, you know, he, he, he may be a factor still in the return game, too. That's sort of the other piece that we really don't know is what a, what a kickoff return, what a punt returns look like, whether that's Anthony Grant, Trey Palmer, um, Tommy Hill, somebody else. Um, and and, and you know, I'll throw Palmer out there, too, as somebody who's really fascinating to, to, to sort of prognosticate on, too, because we have seen his film at LSU, what he's been able to do on special teams as a receiver. You probably have to go back to, you know, I would say Stanley Morgan uh, in 2018 for the last time Nebraska had somebody that dynamic on the outside, on the field consistently as a threat, as a deep threat especially. So, uh, again, there are, there are a lot of ways you can go, and that's what's so fascinating to me, guys, is you have 16 transfers who are in, and I think you can make the argument that 10 to 12 could end up being starters early this season um, and it's, it's just a different vibe than we've ever had at Nebraska before with the, the explosion of the transfer portal um, to where you can really turn things around quickly. We saw it with Michigan State last year, and I think it's going to be fun to see who pops uh, early on for Nebraska next week. Evan, real quick before we say goodbye, you have Adaba Ware from uh, Northwestern. He's their defensive end. Stronsky's their left tackle. Uh, of course, Nebraska with, uh, with Teddy back from injury. And uh, you have O'Shawn and, and Garrett. Is who has the better day protecting and, and breaking protection on the edge? Is that going to be one of the telltale signs who comes away with a victory? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. You know, on the Northwestern side, I, I think they're, you know, again, they're not explosive offensively, but I think the way they want to attack will be an interesting challenge for Nebraska because, again, the way that they've upgraded a pass rush uh, I think is significant, but what about teams like Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan and Minnesota that are going to pound it at you? How does how does a guy like O'Shawn Mathis, who's such a dynamic pass rusher, 
uh, hold up in the Big Ten when they're just going to be pounding it at him, you know, four out of five times on a drive. And so, to me, Northwestern's a really interesting first challenge for that because they they sort of want to do the same thing, but maybe not uh, to the extreme that some of those other teams, and maybe not to the to the level that some of those other teams will do it. So how does that front seven for Nebraska hold up against Northwestern, who you know has a pretty talented back, has a pretty talented offensive line, a smart head coach, and Pat Fitzgerald? How does that all shake out? I think it's going to be really telling. So, yeah, I mean, it, one of the storylines for Nebraska this year on both sides of the ball is going to be how do they – hold the line of scrimmage and you know again i think in the opener especially with northwestern off on offense and nebraska on defense i'll be really curious to see um you know one how committed northwestern is and stays uh with the run and then two how nebraska responds and is able to stop it evan bland find him with the world herald at evan bland owh evan we'll talk soon thanks for the time appreciate it guys Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. And we're back. Folks. Think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. And we say hi to Dr. Ben Woodhead. Dr. Ben, you ready? Football season's almost here. I know, Chris. I'm getting excited for it. Should be good. NFL and college. We're not far from Ireland and uh, wearing green and sheepishly. A lot of Jets fans are hoping for good things. Zach Wilson, though, the uh, era parent at quarterback, a so-so rookie season. More off the field news than on the field. But you have right knee surgery, Dr. Ben, that, that Zach had to undergo. Yeah, it sounds like he had torn his meniscus in some capacity. And um, the surgery from everything that I've read seems like it was successful, which is a good thing from a meniscus standpoint because the meniscus is the shock absorber in your knee. So it really helps with the padding. But the hard part about the meniscus as well is that you can tear it in certain areas that there's no blood supply. So if you tear one of those areas where there's no blood supply, you can't do anything from a repair standpoint. So you go in and trim it out and and really hope for the best that you can progress with your running and activities. Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday, Dr. Ben Woodhead with his Zach Wilson, our topic today. And you have that arthroscopic surgery and uh, the the trimming of the meniscus you're, you're touching on. Dr. Ben, you highlighted just the the blood flow and supply uh, in that region. And, you know, there are some meniscus injuries that really derail a career. Uh, And then there are are instances where you can come back. When we talk about the the position of quarterback and Zach Wilson's strength, right? Why was he drafted so high? Phenomenal 
uh, anticipation, great arm strength, and, and wonderful touch. But he was one of those guys that was kind of fun. He wasn't a run-first quarterback, but he was mobile enough in the pocket. Are you worried about his future mobility with this injury? You know, likely not. As long as the meniscus tear was what they're advertising, and it was an arthroscopic surgery where they go in with essentially two poke holes and use a camera and use a little, essentially a trimmer to trim out that torn meniscus, he should have essentially a full recovery. Now, the question is, like we talked about, that meniscus acts as a shock absorber. Um, You know, as you take that cushion out of the knee, even if it's a small portion, can he have issues later on? Uh, he certainly can, but we're talking generally years down the road that that can lead to some some arthritis or cartilage loss. So in the short term, you know, it really shouldn't affect him that much once he gets a full recovery. What, what's your take here on just that that process, Dr. Ben? You've done this surgery. There's two little poke holes and then the, the, the camera. I mean, it, it just seems pretty fascinating to uh, to do what you do. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what you can do with some of the surgical technology nowadays. You have this very good camera that goes right up to the tear. You come in with an instrument, and you basically just trim out that torn piece. And the reason you do that is because that torn piece inside the knee, uh, sometimes it can almost feel like a rock in the shoe or, or a piece of gravel in your shoe. You know, it, it just you get what are called mechanical symptoms, and so it can catch and click and cause pain. And so if you trim that to a stable edge, even – even though you're taking some of that good meniscus, it can take away the symptoms and allow somebody to function at 100%. Well, Wilson will not be rushed back. He missed four games last year. He suffered a sprained PCL, and this is the same knee. This was a non-contact injury as well, Dr. Ben. Is there any relation potentially with that sprained PCL and now meniscus issues? You know, there could be some correlation, you know, the PCL acts as a stabilizer of the knee. So could it have placed him at a little bit of risk? Yeah, it certainly could have. I would suspect that was an isolated incident. You know, this is a common injury in football as you're doing cutting and pivoting and that knee really is a pivoting type of motion. You can catch that meniscus and tear it. And so that's likely what it's from. It's probably an isolated type of thing. Well, along with that tear on the cut when he made a a move outside the pocket, he also had a deep bone bruise. Dr. Ben. And what's the timeline here? What's next post-surgery as far as recovery for Zach Wilson? You know, as his pain and as his motion and strength gets back to normal, he should have essentially a normal recovery over the next mm, four to six to eight weeks. Uh, The biggest thing is, is after a surgery like this, you can lose some quad strength and you can have some surrounding muscle weakness just from not using it in the pain after surgery. And so, once he develops that strength back for the mobility and for sprinting, you know, he's going to be able to get back from a full recovery capacity. Sometimes athletes will come back even quicker with these and just see how they do where it becomes a lot more of a problem is if the meniscus is repaired and you're really waiting for that healing, which he didn't have. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, a Nebraska orthopedic jock doc Wednesday, Zach Wilson, our topic and meniscus injury for the number two pick overall, Not a great rookie year for Wilson, but 
Excited to see how things work for him in the Big Apple moving forward. So we talked about mobility with the meniscus. Dr. Ben, let's get into that pocket presence and stability and just confidence. Uh, Wilson's a really high-level pocket guy. His job's to stand in and stay in and complete some throws as well. You, know, you got to be patient in the pocket. When it comes to that plant or that 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 front leg, uh, can can there be some lingering issue or concern mentally with uh, just those lower extremities in the pocket? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. I think a lot of it's going to be more of a mental issue, you know, as he plants and as he uses that knee, does he feel like it's going to buckle or is he concerned for that? So I think once he gets past that mentally, I think he will be able to do fine. You know, where, you know, somebody like him, it can cause a lot more problems if it's the ACL or, you know, a ligament that's adding to the stability of the knee. That's where that pivoting and planning can be a problem so i think he'll get there i think it's going to be a process but i think as he starts feeling better i think he'll mentally get better and get to the point where he'll be fully functional dr ben is the meniscus one of those knee injuries that you can go in and and treat quicker than some other knee issues absolutely and especially in the sense where they just went in and trimmed it and you're basically cutting and smoothing that edge you know once the surgical incisions heal and once that strength gets back he can go at it essentially full throttle and so yeah it's certainly a quick injury to recovery or recover from as well as a quick surgery to recover from if that's all that's done do you anticipate wilson maybe using a brace just protective brace or sleeve is that an option it's an option you know a lot of those quarterbacks will wear it as well um just so they don't take any hits to the outside of the knee so whether he was wearing that or not before it's i don't recall but yeah that's certainly an option Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, our topic. Dr. Ben, always fun to get caught up. Thanks for the time and thanks for giving us some insight here on this high-level quarterback's meniscus issue. My pleasure, Chris. Great talking with you. Always love uh, doing a jock doc. Dr. Ben Woodhead, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, with us today on Hale Varsity Radio. Good show, fun show. Joel McAvicka kicked off this hour. Evan Bland from the World Herald and Mr. Husker Football Mike Babcock will tell you about tomorrow's show. And a reminder to get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out on Wednesday. It's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Tomorrow on the show, Brandon Vogel be with us from Hale Varsity. Do not forget, we are on the road Friday at the Hale Varsity Club. Well, I'm on the road Friday at Hale Varsity Club. I will have that pink umbrella drink just for you, Elijah. Oh, as, tri- as, as tribute. You ordered a mojito, and it was a good mojito. It was solid, but it, just, it shouldn't look like that. that. That's You know what? You're, you're secure enough in your own manliness to... Uh, to, to rock a 
pink drink. It's we'll, fine. We'll say that. We'll that, say that's that. What, we'll I'm not to mess with you. You're six seven. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> every single time you mention my height, it goes up by an inch. I'm telling you, <laughs> brother. <laughs> Earlier this summer, call, I was six four. I remember calling <laughs> your game when you were starting at Southeast. That's how freaking old I am. And yeah, it said six seven on the roster. No, I'm going to run. With, it did. It said six seven left tackle. If I was six foot seven, I'd be playing for Nebraska, and I wouldn't be doing a show with you. <laughs> hey, I wish you were playing for Nebraska. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's Elijah Herbal, and we will somehow veer back on to uh, to what, what's the next uh, umbrella drink he'll get the next time he gets let out of jail to go to the Hale Varsity Club. We're there Friday, four to six. He'll be back here in studio, but you can see his lovely face uh, with the stream yard. I'll be up there. Brad Fairberry, Bill Dolman going to be with us, uh, we we hope. Uh, we'll run down Jacob Adele. High school football starts. Oh, I know. I mean, you, got a mon- you just got a monster ball game in the Metro up there with uh, Bell West and Prep. Mm-hmm. They're going to fist fight one another, and it's going to be an awesome ball game. So we'll, uh, we'll dive into a little bit of that. Tomorrow, Jeremiah Searles, we are going to bother our big former Viking on his way back up to Minnesota. Is uh, we'll get uh, some thoughts from him, kind of a final countdown with uh, with Searles on on Nebraska. We'll hear from Coach Whipple tomorrow. Where's the O line at? Maybe we'll hear from Coach Riola. Not sure, <laughs> but uh, that's that's uh, on the, the 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 plans anyway. Is we'll have some post practice for you. We'll get word from Searles, from Brandon Vogel, Coach Barnett, maybe a. Uh, Northwestern Nebraska preview, preview. And then Danny Burke, VEASAN Sports Network. So we're, we're loaded up and always love your feedback and uh, the time you guys uh, give us some input to either Twitter, Facebook, or, of course, uh, email, chris at hailvarsity.com. So my plans tonight, go have some beer and some bar food with the wife. You are going to go watch part two of Mante Teo. But part one, I think it's, it's a one. Is it one part or is it two part? I don't even. I know. know it was a two parter. I don't even know. I'm gonna, the I'm the way it's get getting some traction on social media, Will Compton chiming in on it. I may have been twisted. I started watching Yellowstone again, mm. just because what, there's nothing on for me now that Better Call Saul's gone. Waiting on Yellowstone to get cranked up here, season five. So I started rewatching Yellowstone. I think if there's anything good that I would recommend that that's been on my watch list recently. Mm. Uh, have you ever seen True Detective? Oh yeah, I, I saw okay. the, the first one, but there's really not much. I think season two was so so. Season three, I hear was good, but I saw season one. I've seen one and three, and I got about halfway through two and kind of and. Eh. I need Fargo to come back. Fargo would be awesome. Fargo would be great. All right, be good. Enjoy your Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow at Forward's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.